0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz.
1: One of the most interesting pieces of this week's Parsha, and one that you've heard a lot about. And if you were with us Shabbat afternoon, you also heard our rabbinic, one of our rabbinic interns, Rachel Cohn, teach on the word Vayidom, uh, which our rabbis love to translate in many different ways. And this piece that I'm talking about is the silence of Aaron, the silence after his sons die that he expresses, experiences, whatever word you would like to use um, after the death of his children. Shabbat Paula. So I was curious to see how this particular part of the Parsha, that again, we all know very well, whether or not you've learned it, you at least have heard that this was the way that Aaron dealt with the death of his sons. And I'm sure you've heard a sermon or, or done, a, done a learning around the ways in which Aaron gets a bad rap after that being his way of expressing himself post um, the tragedy with his, with his children. I think, and many rabbis far greater than I agree, that there's nothing wrong with this way of reaction from Aaron. Aaron. For those of us who have lost somebody, we know that there are different ways of grieving. There are ways of grieving by showing your emotions on the outside, by sobbing, by yelling, by just speaking about the person in a way that shows anger, potentially, or guilt. And there's also a way of grieving that is done in silence that is done in the quiet of your own heart, in your own home, in your own soul. Maybe you share thoughts with a partner or with close family, but to the rest of the community, it seems as though you are grieving in silence. That's what Aaron did. Aaron grieved in silence. That doesn't mean that Aaron didn't have anything to say. It just means that Aaron chose to grieve in silence. So, we're going to look at this piece here, but we're not going to focus on the silence as much as what comes after the silence. Because to me, the way that we can learn what this silence was about, the reason that Aaron might have been silent, is to see the moments afterwards. He clearly couldn't remain silent forever. Right, Even Yitzchak, when we think about uh, his his moment on the altar with his father, if you read the Torah through the lens of the documentary hypothesis, you believe that, that Yitzchak, that there is a chance that Yitzchak actually dies, that it's a new Isaac later on who marries Rebecca, that Yitzchak is silent for the rest of his time on earth, and some of the rabbis believe that that means that he actually was killed. Or it could mean that he didn't have a good relationship with his dad, and so he didn't talk to him again. It could mean just that. It doesn't have to mean more than that. And here, too, I think that Aaron's silence could be a profound loss, a profound lack of of expression, a profound way of Aaron grieving without needing to tell us why there was no sound or why there were no words or why he couldn't ask for a meal train, right? Those are all things that we expect from people, whether loss or great simcha, I will mention, right? As soon as someone has a baby, you want to say, great, what can I do for you? One of the best pieces of advice that I received when my best friend had her first child was don't ask her what she needs, just show up and do her laundry and put her dishes in her dishwasher and hold the baby so she can take a shower. Don't ask her because she's not going to be able to tell you. It's the same with grief. People don't know how to tell you what they need. We have to listen. And when listening to silence, sometimes that's uncomfortable because you're not getting anything. There's just silence. Okay. So let's, let's move to the source sheet. If you have it, wonderful. If you don't have it, also wonderful, because I'm going to read everything out loud. So just pay attention and, uh, or don't pay attention, whatever you want. Uh, and I'll give you the verses and you can look them up if if you would like, but there are many sources. I feel like I say this every time I put many sources on here. We're not going to get to all of them, but I was carried away by how, uh, interesting I thought this was as a topic. So Feel free to read the ones on the source sheet that we will not get to today on your own time. I'm going to read the verses of Aaron's sons being killed because it will give us context for what's to come. So Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 says, I'm going to read in the English for time. Now Aaron's sons, Nadav and Avihu, each took their fire pan and put fire on it in it, sorry, and laid incense on it, there we go, and they offered before Adonai alien fire, which God had not enjoined upon them. And fire came forth from Adonai and consumed them, thus they died at the instance of Adonai. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what Adonai meant when he said, when God said, through those near to me, I show myself holy and gain glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent." So before we go on to the, to to what comes next, I'm just curious, does anybody have any thoughts on what does it mean that Aaron went silent or based on this context, what could it have been that made him, obviously the death of his sons, but other than that, what could have made him silent about this particular um, moment of demise for his children? Yeah, Rabbi Susan Lemley, you should be able to unmute yourself. See if that's possible maybe he disagreed
2: with moses but he didn't want to contradict him he didn't want to contradict him in
1: public fantastic um one of the sources Um, on this one of the sources on this sheet mm, this is fun um maybe we'll mute the other people david other david just so i'm not there we go okay um sorry i was distracted by my own voice um Oh, one of the rabbis on this sheet actually says exactly that. It's possible that he was uncertain why Moses would have told him to do that. And so he was silent. He didn't have anything to say to Moses because he disagreed with him. And so he just remained silent. Fantastic. Uh, Gabriella, you have to unmute yourself, Gabriella. Unmute. Uh,
2: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It could also mean, in my opinion, and I don't have the source sheet in front of me. That's okay. That, um that it it just Aaron was so stunned yeah that he couldn't he couldn't even talk i mean uh sometimes when people see things or he, hear things that are completely shocking to them they they just they're shocked into silence beautiful i mean it's it's possible that uh, because of the uh, golden calf event Mm. that when Moses reprimanded his brother Mm -hmm. that he was was kind of worried about talking to him back or Mm. something
1: oh very interesting that maybe based on other events specifically the golden calf that he didn't actually know how to uh how to interact with him in terms of giving him either feedback or or sharing with him his feelings very interesting Joanna
0: I participated in the discussion um, last week at Mincha, and I've been thinking about all week sort of the color association with the word that's given here in terms of like someone just referenced being, you know, shocked. And I think of a shock silence as more of an association like, oh, someone went white. And Vayidom suggests a red, you know, uh, it's closely related to the word for being red, which to me suggests anger either at Moses, because you look at what Moses said, and maybe that was a thing to say, but not in this moment. And, you know, as someone who's personally gone through grief, the people who have meant the most to me have been the ones who could read where I was at the moment. Mm-hmm. And say or not say the right things. Like they were just so able to read me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a bit of anger at Moses for not reading him properly. That wasn't the right thing to say at this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And or anger at God for what God had done for seemingly unexpected.
1: Yeah, so what Joanne is doing here is she's mentioning that the word adom, which is not in terms of its root connected, but it sounds similar to vayidom, uh, that that would seem to be a type of anger rather than a type of shock or a type of embarrassment. Uh, it's very possible. I think that there there is a lot of anger that we'll see in Aaron's response. Again, the part that was kind of most interesting to me is his response to this, uh, and Aaron does seem to want to put Moses in his place and say, this is not a moment to teach me a lesson. This is a moment to just sit with me, give me a hug or, or don't do anything. Just be there. Um, and so potentially the vaidom is connected to the idea of Adom. Uh, yes, Brant, last thing, and then we'll move on to the next verse.
0: I'm, I'm more focused on what Moses says to Aaron. Yeah. I mean, look, so your brother's son's just died and you yeah. turn around and say to him, look how great God is. And to yeah. me, it's kind of like reading the translation of the mourner's cottage, mm. which really isn't about mourning. It's about how great God is. Mm-hmm. And that's always struck me as an odd thing to say, to, you know, when people are in mourning. But this mm-hmm. is the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that. So I interpret this because this is the first time we see this. You know, someone dies and you say, God, your, your own brother says, hey, God is great. Mm-hmm. And Aaron is like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. And he basically is silent, in part for anger and in part because he's in grief. But it's an odd thing to say to your brother when he just lost his kid.
1: Yeah, it is definitely a bizarre thing to say. And if we think about the way that we colloquially, colloquially, anyway, um, say, couldn't get that word out, uh, say that we are sorry for someone's loss in Hebrew, we say Baruch Dayan HaEmet which if you translate that, it's actually a very difficult sentence to say to somebody after they've lost someone, blessed is the judge of truth. All right. It, it, that's a it's a, that's a hard pill to swallow for the similar reasons that Brant just said that in in a moment of great loss for some people not for everybody for some people bringing up the greatness of God in that moment is difficult because if God is so great then why didn't God save the person that I love so let's let's go to the um, Devorah I saw your hand let's just go to the next uh, the the next piece here and then hopefully your comment will will connect so. In between verses 3 and verse 19, which I didn't put on the sheet, or else this would be like an eight-page source sheet, uh, there are multiple ways in which Moses is trying to get the people to still sacrifice. You can read through it if you would like in, um, in a chumash or in a Bible. And there's this one point, this turning point in verse 19, where Aaron finally speaks. And Aaron speaks to Moses and says, See, this day they brought their sin offering and their burnt offering before Adonai, and such things have befallen me. Had I eaten sin offering today, would Adonai have approved? Right, like, excuse me, sir, how come you seem to think that we need... 16 verses of you giving me all of this instruction around something that seemingly just took my children away, and you think they're going to do it better, so you now need to teach them how to do it better so that other people don't die? How is that helpful to me right now? Aaron comes back and says this, and then, and when Moses heard this, he approved. Moses doesn't say anything. He approves of what Aaron is sharing with him in his correction to Moses. And I think it's also Moses' way of saying, got it. I get it. I'm reading you, finally. I understand that what you need from me is not to move forward. There are different people in this world. Some are doers right? As soon as someone dies, or as soon as a baby is born, or as soon as something happens, you rush to be, you are the first person on that meal train. You put the meal train together. You are the first person at Shiva. You are the person who makes sure that at the funeral, the family is taken care of and gets to their car without 800 people crowding them. There are some people who are just like Moshe in that moment. And that's helpful at times. But in Aaron showing his silence. Moshe should have been able to identify that that's not what Aaron needed. It might've been what Moshe needed because remember, these are Moshe's nephews. So it might've been what Moshe needed. He might've needed to just move on and get through it by doing, but Aaron didn't. And so in the relationship between Moshe and Aaron in this moment, Moshe should have been more aware of what Aaron was really not doing And be able to react to that. Devorah, did you want to share something? Just unmute yourself first. There you go. Uh, Wait, you muted yourself again. Unmute.
2: Okay. Having just um, experienced Yisker and having just experienced your of both my husband and my daughter, I can say that there are no adequate words. There are no adequate words whatsoever that can give you consolation in the depths of your grief. Maybe down the road you can expect and accept Mm -hmm. words of consolation. Mm -hmm. But actually the reality is there are no words that are adequate. And the, the worst thing I feel that someone can say to someone who has a loss is to say, god needs need your daughter needs your husband more than you do oh no don't tell me that yeah i just as a information that is not a it is not a helpful thing to say to someone that's in grief
1: i could not agree more i agree thank you and there, there's something very interesting in our tradition. And you know, this Devorah, that when you go to a Shiva home, you wait for the person who is grieving to speak to you first. And that's awkward. It's really awkward because you want to make them feel better. And humans do that by speaking and by sharing words. But as Devora is mentioning, any of us who have been to a home for Shiva, know that sometimes that's actually exactly what is needed. You need to just sit in silence, or at least you need to wait until the person who you are visiting is ready to speak to you, because then you can really comfort them because you know what they need. So the Torah Haruch on the verse Vayidom Aharon says, Aaron remained silent. He then quotes Nachmanides, Ramban, and, uh, who says that Aaron wept aloud, but then remained silent. So it's possible that there was, there was a moment in which Aaron did share very loud emotion through crying, Nachmanides is saying. But then what the Tur Haruch is adding on here is that then he remained silent, Right, he kind of got it out at once and then continued in his grief in silence. So let's look at the at the, um, the verse where Aaron does finally speak up. Rashi comments on this Vayedaber Aharon in a very interesting way. And he says that the term Vayedaber, he says, Lashon Dibur, right? The word Daber uh, used here denotes a harsh utterance It is, is it likely that when Moses expressed his indignation with Eleazar and with Itamar, Aaron should reply to him in such harsh language? You must consequently know that it was only by way of respect that these remained silent. They thought it would not be right that our father, Aaron, should be sitting here, you know, in their presence and that we should speak in his presence, nor would it be right that a disciple should retort to onto his teacher, Moshe in this case. So what Rashi is saying here is when we read the words, Vayadaber aharon, we should know that Aaron was not doing that just by like having a very calm, nice conversation. He was very pointedly, very harshly speaking to Moshe to say, you're, you're going about this wrong, dude. This is not how we do this. You need to find another way to be with me in these moments. The next, the next uh, piece on this same by Deber Aharon el-Moshe comes from the Chaim, And it says... Um, <laughs> okay, we're just going to leave the, the last line of this. Aaron's outburst may therefore be interpreted as the complaint of a father whose feelings of mercy toward his children have been aroused. That all of a sudden... As Devorah was saying, sometimes words in the beginning moments are not what's necessary, but then it kind of hits you, right? You all know that there are stages of, of grief. I'm not teaching you anything you don't know. But sometimes that stage of grief of of understanding what has happened comes with anger and then comes with words. And that's what happened to Aaron here, according to the Chaim, that in the first moments of his children being taken away from him, he was silent. But then he sat with it. He sat through Moses telling all the people what to do around him. He was overwhelmed by what was going on, yet in his own thoughts. And then he became angry, and so he spoke out. That's very normal, right? It's it's actually unbelievable to me that I've never heard someone speak about this part of the story and have only heard people speak about the silence because this part is what makes that silence feel so normal to us in modern day grieving and in modern day, um, comforting. Right? It's the it's the response at the end that makes it feel human. The silent piece, we don't all know or don't all feel as a way of us grieving. But the the mention later on of Aaron needing to share how he's feeling, that we understand. That comes to play in everybody's stage of grief. It just doesn't always happen in the same timeline. So the last piece I want to share here is actually in the middle of verses 3 through 19. Again, a piece I had never focused on before, and my friend Rabbi Joel Dinan, who many of you probably know um, from his parents, he grew up in Los Angeles, his parents are are well known in the Jewish community. He gave a drosh on this verse. Again, I had never read this verse this way before, and I believe it adds to our understanding of how Aaron grieved. This is Leviticus 10.6. And it says, this is coming right after Aaron was silent. Three verses later, which obviously in terms of time, we have no idea what that means. But three verses later, it says, And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Etamar, other sons who had not perished, Do not bare your heads and do not rend your clothes, lest you die and anger strike the whole community. But your kinsmen, all the house of Israel, shall bewail the burning that Adonai was wrought has wrought excuse me Moses says to these other two sons to the siblings to his nephews don't worry about what you might need to do right now we'll do it for you we the community will grieve for you and that in between Aaron's silence and Aaron's crying out he might not have known that the community right this is not being said directly to Aaron, though Aaron is in proximity, it seems. It might have been that Aaron didn't know that the community was actually surrounding him to comfort him. But what Moshe was trying to do was corral the troops and make sure that they knew that there was a community, a community there, that even in their moments where they did not know how to grieve or did not feel like grieving, that the community was going to do it for them. So Devorah brought up Yisker, and I'm just going to end with one, one little piece here um, that actually I came across when writing a, a sermon for Temple Betham when I was an intern on the idea of Yisker. Many of you know the practice of walking out during Yisker. You stand up, you walk out, which uh, there's, there's no judgment coming from me around that. And yet this seems to tell us that there are going to be people who are reciting yisker there are going to be people who are in deep grief who don't yet know how to express that they are in deep grief who don't yet know what it means to say the words of yisker or to say the words of kaddish or to recite or listen to the el male so the people who are around them during yisker during mourner's kaddish can be there for them as that comfort you don't have to say the words because those aren't your words But to be able to say, we are here for you as a community, whether you are silent or whether you are yelling out, you don't need to worry about how you are dealing with grief because we'll help you figure that out. So I hope that this piece of Torah that was new to me, and my guess is at least potentially A little new to those of you here this morning. I hope that we're able to think about this story, though this is clearly a depressing topic, I hope we are able to think about it in a very enlightening way. I hope we're able to think about the ways in which the mark that was missed was not Moshe not realizing the silence. The mark that was missed was that Moshe continued on, that he didn't just wait. He didn't just wait to see Aaron's next move. And so when we read Vayadom Aharon, I hope that we continue to then read on in the Parsha and see that the community took care of Aaron, or at least was there ready to take care of Aaron, and that Aaron eventually did find his voice. And so we, the people not in grief, need to make sure that we do that for others in our community when they are grieving.